Good evening, everyone. Quick show of hands. How many of you are in the Rothko Chapel for the first time? Wow, welcome. A special welcome to all who are here for the first time. That means everybody else is here for at least the second time. And one of the things that we try to do through all of our gatherings here is to really contribute to the building of a great community. So what I want you to do is raise your hands again if you're here for the first time. Okay, now all the veterans, I want you to look at these hands and I want you to make a special attempt, effort to say hello. And you're gonna be able to do that because we're gonna have a reception afterwards uh, because this is really part of this, really spending time with each other to get to know each other, a little more than just a quick urban, quick pass that we do so often here. Uh, I wanna welcome you to the Rothko Chapel. a place that was conceived probably in the 50s and the 60s and came to fruition in 1971 uh, by the visionaries John and Dominique de Manil, the artist Mark Rothko, the architect Philip Johnson, and all kinds of other creative, wonderful people to create a space uh, which I think they'd be very proud of tonight, a place where we gather as community Uh, with our various languages, our various ideologies, our various perspectives, uh, to share in first person and to create conversation that has, in addition to the I, the we, in the context of the thou. So it's a very special place, and if you haven't been here before, I always invite you to come back, come back. We're open every day, 10 to 6, for just meditation, place to come and be with others, and then concerts and lectures, So uh, consider this as one of your many, many homes in this city. I'd also ask if you would, if you'd turn off your silent, your cell phones, and refrain from taking pictures. And part of that is because those tend to be impediments to being in the presence of one another and, and and the holy. So it's a way that we can kind of turn off for just a minute and really be attentive. So I'd ask you to do that. Tonight, I'm mindful of the ancient words found in the Hebrew scriptures. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and earth, it was very good. As we sit here on this day in history, yet something happened. While the world is still wonderful and glorious, as we know, the future hangs in balance. Rising temperatures, increasing levels of CO2, Communities literally in peril due to rising sea levels, super storms and wildfires. All of this creates an uncertain future and an individual and a collective sense of anxiety and angst. However, as people of faith from whatever backgrounds we come, we testify to the fact that not all is lost. People from all parts of the globe and from all sectors, especially the religious sector, are joining together to do all they can both to call attention to the problems of the day and that we even contribute to ourselves, as well as to find ways to further our collective efforts to ensure a livable planet, not just for today, but for generations and generations and generations to come. Tonight in this holy space, we will listen to engage with the ancient texts and teachings 
about creation and our place and responsibility within it, not to muse about days gone by, but in fact to garner the strength and the wisdom for the work and the journey ahead. On this evening, we give thanks for the opportunity to gather together in this manner and in this place. Again, welcome to the Rothko Chapel. And I want to present one of the visionaries and real heartbeats of this service, Garland Pohl. California is burning. The glaciers are melting. Water's rising. The storms are stronger and more frequent. The earth is fracturing. The air we are breathing is no longer really able to sustain life. There is more snow in places that did not have much snow, and there is not enough snow in places that have had snow in large quantities in the past. We're in trouble. We're deeply in trouble. Our Mother Earth, at whose breast we feed, is suffering. We are in trouble. She is in trouble and only we can help our Mother Earth. We need to care for her or her milk will run dry. Thank you for being here tonight. This is the 34th meeting of a service that is, was founded in response to a hate crime here in the city of Houston. It was very shocking at the time because we had not had much of that in the city. There was a, a small mosque on the west side of town that uh, had a fortunately not very well made Molotov cocktail thrown through a plate glass window. It's a, it was a small storefront uh, mosque. Uh, the, the men who did it were arrested and they were convicted, they were punished. But it was very shocking. And those of us who were interreligious friends uh, wanted to do something about it. There was, there was some publicity in the paper, but we decided that we wanted to go beyond that to talk to the community of believers about what this meant and, and our responsibility for it. So after some consideration of back and forth, you know, can Jews and Christians pray together? What will Muslims, how, how will they fit in? We had our first service 34 years ago and we had decided that we would use Thanksgiving as our, our central overarching theme because Thanksgiving is the one concept that crosses all religious traditions. So we felt that that was a commonality that, that we could employ and that we could enjoy. And also we have a natural uh, feast celebration here in the United States called Thanksgiving Day. So it seemed appropriate that we could, combi uh, could combine that holiday along with our uh, understanding of Thanksgiving as that is celebrated and observed within all the religious traditions. So that is why we are here tonight 
to lift up a particular theme, which each year we have chosen a sub-theme within Thanksgiving, and our theme tonight is Care for Creation, and that is what you will hear people uh, proclaiming that their tradition has to say and then reflecting upon that, and thank you for being here. Blessed is the spot and the house and the place and the city and the heart and the mountain and the refuge and the cave and the valley and the land and the sea and the island and the meadow where mention of God hath been made and his praise glorified ah, 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 ah. Blessed is the spot and the house and the place and the city and the heart and the mountain and the refuge and the cave and the valley and the land and the sea and the island and the meadow where mention of God hath been made and his praise glorified Good evening, everyone. My name is Shapur Masur, and I'm speaking on behalf of the Baha'i Faith. So when I noticed that the list was in alphabetical order and I saw that the Baha'is were first, I wondered, well, where's the atheist? <laughs> so first, I would like to thank Interfaith for putting on this event. I think it's very nice that we can all come together and talk about an issue that is so important to the betterment of our planet, which is its health itself. So before I get into the meat of my talk, I would just like to give a very quick introduction to the Baha'i Faith. The Baha'i Faith was founded in 19th century Persia by Baha'u'llah, whose title means the glory of God. And among the many teachings that Baha'u'llah has given the world, I would like to mention one of them here that the Baha'is of today refer to as the three onenesses. 
And these three onenesses are the oneness of God, we believe in an all-powerful God, the oneness of man, that there is only one race on this earth, which is the human race, which we believe in the, the abolishing of all racism, prejudice, and bigotry, and the oneness of religion. And what this concept essentially means is that God has sent manifestations throughout the course of time to give the word for that day and age. But because all of these quote-unquote words have come from the same source, they are in essence the same religion. So getting to the meat of the topic tonight, I'd like to mention one more teaching of Baha'u'llah, and that is that religion and science are in harmony with one another. And that is fundamentally very powerful for what we're talking about tonight, because science has undoubtedly shown us that our oceans are rising, there's too much plastic in the oceans, there's too much air pollution, there's climate change. And so as a result of what science has taught us, it is incumbent upon us as a society to heed the word of science and take action in order to heal God's creation, which is Earth. We need to take care of it in order for our future generations to enjoy it as we are. And at this point, I'd like to share a quote from the Baha'i Faith that says, say, nature in its essence is the embodiment of my name, the maker, the creator. Its manifestations are diversified by varying causes. And in this diversity, there are signs for men of discernment. Nature is God's will and is its expression in and through the contingent world. It is a dispensation of providence ordained by the ordainer, the all-wise. So another important concept that the Baha'i Faith talks about is that humanity and the earth are one. And that if the earth is prospering, if it's healthy, then in turn humanity will also prosper and be healthy, and vice versa. If the earth is suffering, then down the line, humanity will also suffer in the form of famine and disease and water shortage, what have you. Another quote from the faith I'd like to share related to that topic specifically says, we cannot segregate the human heart from the environment outside of us and say that once one of these is reformed, everything will be improved. Man is organic with the world. His inner life molds the environment and is itself also deeply affected by it. The one acts upon the other, and every abiding change in the life of man is the result of these mutual reactions. Now, what does this all mean? It's nice in concept, but what's important is action that we can take. Now, we can take action by disposing of garbage disposably, recycling, etc. We all know what we can do there. But in terms of what the Baha'is are doing, the worldwide governing body of the Baha'i faith is the Universal House of Justice, who is headquartered in Haifa, Israel. And around 30 years ago, they established an Office of the Environment, which conducts external relations of the Baha'i international community with regard to environmental matters. 
Thus, it fosters relations with the Worldwide Fund for Nature and other like-minded non-governmental organizations. So it is incumbent upon society to heed the word that science is giving us, because as the Baha'i Faith teaches, religion without science leads to superstition. Thank you.《金刚经》有一段经文应如是住如是降服其心为然是尊愿要欲闻佛告须菩提Thank you, Longtong Shi. We represent the Buddhist community, and the first thing that Longtong Shi presented to you are the chanting of taking refuge in Buddha, in Dharma, and in Sangha. Then he recited in Chinese uh, extraction from the Diamond Sutra. And I found it very interesting, the main concept that we are presenting today has so much similarity with the Baha'i faith. Basically say life is one, regardless where it's living or just elements in, on this planet Earth. 
So many basic teaching in Buddhism can help us understand our interconnectedness with the environment. One of the deepest is the Diamond Sutra. This sutra is a dialogue between the venerable Shubhuti and the Buddha. It begins with the question, if I want to use my whole being to partake life, what method and principle should I use? And Buddha basically answered uh, the writing, the translation of what Reverend Long Tong Shi has talked is actually in English. I wouldn't repeat that again. But the main thing is to say that we should treat everything equal, regardless there's life or not. And also, we should not have the concept of a life, of self, a person, a living being, or, or merely our lifespan. So life is one, is really the key. We do not need to slice it into pieces and call this piece or let that piece a self, a human being, a living being, or a lifespan. We usually discriminate between humans and non-humans, thinking that we are more important than the other species. But since we, human, are made of non-human elements, to protect ourselves, we have to protect all the non-human elements. There's no other way. If you think God created man in his own image and he created other things for man to use, you are already making the discrimination that man is more important than other things. When we see that human has no self, we see that to take care of the environment, all the non-human element is to take care of humanity. The best way to take good care of man and woman so that they can be truly healthy and happy is to take care of the environment. The Buddha teaches that to protect the non-human element is to protect human, and to protect human is to protect the non-human elements. Thank you. I have two readings this evening, the first from the book of Genesis, selections from chapters one and two. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was formless, void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God saw everything that he had made and indeed it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished in all their multitude. And a reading from the Gospel according to Matthew. From chapter 22. A lawyer asked Jesus, Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart 
and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Amen. Good evening. I'm Carol Bruce. William and I come from the Christian tradition. It's such a privilege to be with you tonight, and thank you, George, for inviting us to represent the Christian faith. We're happy to be here. Um, we're so grateful for this opportunity because as Christians, we do believe it is our responsibility to care for creation. Um, we believe God created the heavens and the earth, everything that exists, and we believe God has made us stewards of everything exists, of, over all of his creation. So we must care for the animals and the birds and the fish, for land and air and, and sky and sea. However, as, as Poland mentioned, this, this event first began with an act of violence. And because one has recently been experienced in our interfaith community, uh, because I am still mourning with many of you the, the, the loss of our Jewish brothers and sisters in Pittsburgh. Um, it occurs to me to emphasize one, one portion of our scriptures, which, which do differ from the Buddhist faith in some respect, in that we do believe, um, as William read from the Hebrew, the scriptures which we call the Old Testament, that wonderful book of Genesis, which David referred to, we do believe that God created us, humans, human beings, you and me, male and female, in the image of God. Um, we, we do believe that. Um, we believe that, that we were created as, as God's masterpieces, really, as, as the pinnacle of God's creation. The way the story's told, as you know, in Genesis, um, God created the world in six days. Um, I have to agree with my Baha'i brother that I don't think it actually happened that way, but six days that we think of, but in God's time, in six periods, uh, everything was created. And after the first five days, God said it was good. But after the sixth day, only after the sixth day when human beings were created, God said creation was very good. Um, and I, I share that to, to say I believe we are part of God's creation. And today, particularly, I think that's important for us to remember um, because as Christians, we believe the Greek and Hebrew scriptures agree that as Christians, our goal on this planet during our time on earth is, is too full. Jesus was very clear. We are to love God and to love our neighbor. We're to love God's creation of humans um, all the humans around us. God commanded us to love. Humans of every age and stage and, and size and shape, of every race and faith and nationality and culture and color. As Christians, we believe the Bible is clear about that fact. So as Christians, we believe it's, it's our responsibility to care for creation, but all of creation, including one another. 
That's our responsibility. So how could any Christian conclude that God would approve of any unloving action toward another human being? Um, particularly an unloving action toward a Jew, which we as Christians believe have a special place in God's heart. I have no idea. I mean, after three, four years of seminary and 23 years as a Christian minister and almost 60 years as a Christian, I just haven't been able to figure it out. But during this season of Thanksgiving, even as I find myself occasionally speechless and appalled at the actions of, of Christians against other humans, even as we continue to mourn those senseless deaths, I am so thankful for each of you here tonight. Because by your very presence in this space, you are loving your neighbor. You are saying that you lift up and support human beings of all races and all colors and all faiths, all human beings. By your very presence here, um, you are accomplishing what we as Christians believe is one of the two goals of life for humans on this planet. Every effort we make to become one, to know each other and love each other, every moment we spend in interfaith dialogue and, and in service together, I believe is a moment spent loving our neighbor, and that is, in fact, caring for creation. I invite you to pray for, with me. Creator God, during this season of Thanksgiving, and in every season, we are so very grateful for all the good gifts you have given us to steward. For the earth and sky, for the sun and moon and stars, for the seas and for dry land, for plants and trees, for fish and birds and animals, we are so very grateful. Tonight especially, we pause to thank you for the people in this room and all the people on the earth who care for one another, who respect and honor all human beings, who love their neighbors, who care for all of creation, including us. Amen. Kavita and I am representing Arya Samaj Greater Houston as a Hindu faith. Mantras from Atharvid and Yajurved. Trini Chandansi Kavayo Vietire Pururupam Darshatam Vishwachakshanam Shadhyastanye kasmin bhuvan RP 
ಶಾಂತಿರಂತರಿಕ್ಷ ಶಾಂತಿ ಪೃಥಿವೀ ಶಾಂತಿರಪಶಾಂತಿರೌಷಧಯ ಶಾಂತಿ ವನಸ್ಪತಯ ಶಾಂತಿರ್ವಿಶ್ವೇದೇವಾಂತಿರ್ಬ್ರಹ್ಮಶಾಂತಿ ಶಾಂತಿ ಶಾಂತಿರೇವ ಶಾಂತಿ ಸಾಂತಿರೇಧಿ ಶಾಂತಿ 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 ಥ್ಯಾಂಕ್ ಯು good evening everybody we just heard two verses from the vedas vedas state to tell us about a philosophy that anything in the universe is an effect and it comes out of certain causes like this particular podium made of wood it couldn't have been made unless a carpenter made it and he needed a log of wood to make it and he wouldn't make it unless there is somebody who is going to use it so there is a maker there is a raw material which is transformed into the end product and there is an end user so when we open our eyes like time since time immemorial man has always wondered where did he come from what this world is universe is so this helps him understand just like a carpenter makes a podium out of wood for an end user where a carpenter is a conscious being with intelligence and ability to work action knowledge both and wood is a raw material which allows itself to be transformed is lack of conscious and there is an end user who is a conscious being who is going to enjoy it one way or another in the same way there is a supreme consciousness that has made the universe out of basic particles of matter for us we all in finite souls humans animal birds all put together so today when we discuss caring for this universe that we find ourselves in we ought to understand it has been made with a design for a certain purpose what is called bhog and upwork so we all human beings come here for a limited time we enjoy the life here but there is a final purpose that the cycle of birth and death must cease to exist so that we deliver ourselves from all kinds of pain and suffering so what we heard just now the first verse is saying trini chandashi what it is saying is there are three things in the universe that protects us from the fear and the greatest fear is fear from death 
Of course, we know it. Food is very important, and that is the instinct we all are born with, survival instinct. Nobody wants to die, not even an animal or insect or whatever it is. So in order to survive, I need food. But if it comes to that, we know it. I can live two, three weeks without food. And then I realize more than food, I need water, without which I cannot survive in two, three days. And much more than that, I need air, without which I cannot live even a minute or so. And then when I open my eyes in the, as I become an adult, I realize the beauty of the design that, yes, what I need most is more, most easily available. For air, I have to make no effort. It's everywhere there in plenty on surface of the earth. And for water, I may have to walk a few distance or dig a few depth. And for food, I can always do agriculture or walk into the forest, pick up some fruits, things like that. So there's an interesting correlation that one who has made me and brought me into this world with my body-mind system, which has certain needs of food, water, and air in certain uh, ascending order, and has also designed the universe around me that ease of availability correlate with the need that I have. So that is the design. Just like as a child, I was born into a home of my mother and father, where whatever I needed, what I needed most was most accessible to me. And as I grew up, I developed love for my mother and father and for all the things that they possessed, my home. We never break anything in our home. We don't waste anything in our home. That's the message we should learn, that now I am in the, as an adult, I am in a home, large home, the Mother Earth, and I should not waste anything. I should not disrespect anything. I should take its good care as if this is the home of my Supreme Mother and Father. In the second verse, we have tried to understand Shanti has been repeated several times. That means peace. Usually we associate peace with something in a stationary mode. If something is doing totally inactive, doing nothing, we will say it is at peace. But here the wonder is the earth is moving almost at the speed of 100,000 kilometers an hour. The sun is moving around the galaxy. Everything is in motion and in a very predetermined orbit, yet there is peace everywhere. The seasons also change, like we are going through a change in season these days, but everything is peaceful, and that is the message that if I have peace in my mind, I can convey it to my surroundings and throughout the universe. Thank you all. Jainism is, in essence, a religion of ecology, of a sustainable lifestyle, and a reverence for life. As a practical religion, Jainism has laid great stress on the principle of nonviolence. It is best brought out in the following quote: "Esa sa bhagavai ahinsa 
जासाभियाणम विवसरणम पक्षीणम विवगमनम तीसियाणम विवसलीलम खुईयाणम विवसनम समुद्रमझी व पोयवहनम चौपयाणम व आसमपयम दुहट्ठीयाणम व ओसही बलम अड़वी मज्जे व सत्थगमनम एतो विशिष्ट तरिया अहिंसा जा पुड़वी जल अग्नि मारुय वनसई बीय हरिय जलयर थलयर खयर तस थावर सव भूय खेमं करी प्रश्न व्याकरण सूत्र टू वन वन जीरो एट Good evening to everybody. Today we are here to represent gene religion. The theme of this conference, Care for Creation, is calling for a religious perspective on how to address the current challenge posed by climate change. Let us recognize the climate change is a is a symptom of a deeper problem, namely an imbalance in nature's ecosystem. caused by humans indiscriminate use of nat- natural resources it has taken many generations to bring it to the level it is today and it will take many to bring it down to a manageable level the change has to begin at an individual level as a practical religion jainism has laid great stress on ahimsa vrat a vow to observe the principle of non-violence to explain why here is the translation of the sutra read by samni kanchan pragya but i will not repeat i will not read the translation part of this verse which has been just presented here as it is already mentioned in this uh, ratko chapel booklet you can read from there now According to Acharya Mahapragya he was one of the great saint of India he says that there are two types of non-violence practical non-violence and spiritual non-violence man is a social animal he lives in a society with other fellow beings social life by itself very definition implies of a life of interrelatedness these relations have multiple bases friends to indulge in a feeling of affection institution of marriage to satisfy sexual instincts and so on all relationships are based on the utility principles by themselves they have produced what could be called practical non-violence it work it works as long as our selfish interests are not threatened merely living together on the basis of practical non-violence is not is no guarantee of true and lasting non-violence it is important to note that we cannot put an end to violence in society without developing spiritual non-violence and basing our lifestyle on it 
Spiritual non-violence is based on the unity and equality of all souls, souls of all sentient beings. Without spiritual non-violence, we cannot address the real issues facing the society today. Search for the spiritual non-violence is not possible through scientific instruments, history, or even genetics. One has to investigate one's soul to know one's identity and one's true self. If every individual could embrace the principle of non-violence, we would be truly caring for the creation. Thank you for the opportunity to, to represent here, wishing you and your families a very happy Thanksgiving Day. My name is Rabbi Ariel Scholklapper, representing the Jewish faith with my wife. ואמר לו, ראה מעשי כמה נעים ומשובחים הן, וכל מה שבראתי בשבילך בראתי. תן דעתך שלא תקלקל ותחריב את עולמי, שאם קלקלת, אין מי שייתן אחריך, אין מי שיתקן אחריך. Shalom Aleichem. Peace be upon all of you. I'm Rabbi Sarah Fort. I'm representing the Jewish faith. It's, it's an honor and a pleasure to be here to learn from so many faith leaders. Uh, and we are honored to be a part of this. What you just heard was a piece of scripture and a piece of our ancient and holy rabbi's commentary on that scripture. The scripture itself is that first line. It comes from Kohelet. You might be more familiar with it as Ecclesiastes, which says, look at God's work, for who can straighten what God has manipulated? That's the line from Kohelet, from Ecclesiastes. And the rest of it is what our ancient rabbis have written. We call it the Midrash. Midrash, we say, is what the rabbis filled in in the white spaces between the black lettering in the scrolls. <laughs> so they told a story, because they saw a line and they had a, a question. I won't say a problem, they had a question. In this line, look at God's work, who can straighten what, what God has manipulated? Now it doesn't mean manipulated as in messed up. It means like crafted or molded. God has crafted, molded this universe. 
Is what Kohelet is saying that no human being could have the power to change the world that God has created? No, the rabbis say. That's not true. And then they go in to talk about it. Now, they do this by telling a story. It's a very rabbi thing to do, to take something and make it longer. <laughs> they tell a story about when Adam HaRishon, the first human being, was created, and God took this man and led him around the Garden of Eden, took him on a little walk. And God says, look how beautiful and praiseworthy my works are, meaning everything as it is here, as I have created it, untainted by human interference, it is stunning in its completeness. It's beautiful. God says, all that I have created, it is for you that I created it. Now, that could come off as a little arrogant, but it reminds me of a Hasidic story. The Hasidim were Eastern European mystics. Rabbi Simcha Bunim told this story that everybody, Jew and non-Jew, has to have two pockets and carry around a piece of paper in each pocket. And in one pocket, you have a piece of paper that says, for my sake, the whole world was created. For my sake, the whole world was created for me. And in your other pocket, you have to have another piece of paper that says, I am but dust and ashes. Dust and ashes. Meaning, yes, all of this beauty, all of this wonder, it was created for you for you to use and enjoy, but there's another side. You are but dust and ashes, meaning your needs, your wants, your desires, they're not the most important thing. They are not the most paramount thing. God says, pay attention. The Midrash continues, pay attention that you do not corrupt and destroy my world. I'm simply reading the English translation. If you don't pay attention, the Midrash says, you will corrupt this world and you will destroy it. Tain da'atecha is the Hebrew, and da'at doesn't mean smarts or, or wisdom, it means insight. Because it takes more than wisdom or brains or smarts to pay attention to this beautiful world that God has created, and to know what its needs are, what the world's needs for its health are. It takes insight, which is like wisdom, but with a little more depth. It means you have to pay attention to the world around you. That means other people, that means the animals, that means the trees, that means the air, that means the water. When God finishes, the rabbis put the words in God's mouth, and it finishes saying, if you corrupt it, there is no one to repair it after you. And this is something we all know to be true, that if we corrupt this world, this beautiful creation, then there will be no one to come after us. So it is tantamount that we look at this beautiful world that we have been gifted, and we know that it is completely within our power to ruin it, and it's also within our power to repair it, to protect it, and to use our insight and our wisdom and our brains and our cooperation to do so, it's our responsibility. And if we don't, then there will be no one after us to protect it.
Thank you. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم هو الذي أنزل من السماء ماء لكم منه شراب منه شراب ومنه شجر فيه تسيمون ينبت لكم به الزرع والزيتون والنخيل والأعناب ومن كل الثمرات إن في ذلك لآية لقوم يتفكرون وَسَخَّرَ لَكُمُ اللَّيْلَ وَالنَّهَارَ وَالشَّمْسَ وَالْقَمَرَ وَالنُّجُومُ مُسَخَّرَاتٌ بِأَمْرِهِ إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَاتٍ لِقَوْمٍ يَعْقِلُونَ وَمَا ذَرَأَ لَكُمْ فِي الْأَرْضِ مُخْتَلِفًا أَلْوَانُهُ إن في ذلك لآية لقوم يذكرون وهو الذي سخر البحر لتأكلوا منه لحما طريا وتستخرجوا منه حلية تلبسونها وترى الفلك مواخر فيه ولتبتغوا من فضل ولعلكم تشكرون وألقى في الأرض رواسي أن تميد بكم وأنهارا وسبلا لعلكم تهتدون وعلامات وبالنجم هم يهتدون أَفَمَنْ يَخْلُقُ كَمَنْ لَا يَخْلُقُ أَفَلَا تَذَكَّرُونَ وَإِنْ تَعُدُّوا نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ لَا تُحْصُوهَا إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَغَفُورٌ رَّحِيمٌ In the name of God, the most compassionate, most merciful. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be upon all of you. Uh, it's so wonderful being here with all of you this evening. Uh, you've given me a lot to take home and to reflect on, so I appreciate that. Uh, I chose these verses for my brother, uh, Mubarak Oladejo, to recite because they embody God's care for creation. And who better to learn how to care for creation than the Creator Himself? Uh, it's interesting because these verses, uh, we believe, were revealed in a very difficult time for Muslims. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about it, um, the book Muhammad by Martin Lings has more details. Uh, but 
It was a very difficult time. Muslims were being persecuted, not allowed to practice their religion openly in Mecca, and they were about to leave uh, to, to seek security. And that reminds me a lot of what's happening today. You know, we have the Rohingya Muslims in Myanmar, uh, the Uyghur Muslims in China, and even in, this, in our own country, the rise of Islamophobia and anti-Semitic um, behavior um, makes it very difficult. So we can relate to some of that time. But in spite of this incredible loss uh, and grief and time for Muslims when this, these verses were revealed, uh, these are the verses that God chose to reveal to us. And um, all around us, God reminds us of, of his gifts to humanity. Uh, from wonders of the terrestrial world to the marvels of the celestial world, uh, there are signs of God's majesty and might. And so perhaps one aspect of caring for creation is to be gentle and kind with these gifts, whether it's disconnecting from distractions that keep us from being mindful of God, uh, taking only what we need and being careful about our waste, or slowing down and looking at one another and realizing how blessed we are to have family, friends, and community. And most of all, maybe being kinder to ourselves when we look in the mirror. After all, we too are a creation of God. To love God is to love his creation. To worship him is to be mindful of the gifts he has given us. And to serve him is to recognize that though we try, we can never truly be grateful enough to him. Um, I just wanted to leave with a few sayings that I was reminded of as, as all of you were speaking. And in our faith, there's a saying that if you save one life, it is as if you have saved all of humanity. And um, one in particular my son likes is that even if the day of judgment is approaching and you have a seed in your hand to plant it, uh, showing the care and concern for nature. Thank you. I am Amrik Singh, belong to Sikh religion, Houston Sikh National Center, head priest. Our Guru Saban said, one internal God care for creation team in Holy Humans, Gurbani of Sikhism. Guru Nanak said, uh, My language, Gurbani, Gurmukhi. Balehari Kudrat Vasya, Tera Antana Jai Lakhya. Balehari Kudrat Vasya Tera Antana Jai Lakhya Rahao Jat Meh Jot Jot Meh Jata Akal Kala Parpoor Rahya जात में जोत जोत में जाता 
ਅਕਲ ਕਲਾ ਭਰਪੂਰ ਰਹਿਆ ਤੂੰ ਸੱਚਾ ਸਾਹਿਬ ਸਿਫਤ ਸਵਾਲਿਓ ਜਿਨ ਕੀਤੀ ਸੋ ਪਾਰ ਪਿਆ ਤੂੰ ਸੱਚਾ ਸਾਹਿਬ ਸਿਫਤ ਸਵਾਲਿਓ ਜਿਨ ਕੀਤੀ ਸੋ ਪਾਰ ਪਿਆ ਕਹੋ ਨਾਨਕ ਕਰਤੇ ਕੀਆਂ ਬਾਤਾਂ ਜੋ ਕਿਛ ਕਰਨਾ ਸੋ ਕਰ ਰਹਿਆ ਕਹੋ ਨਾਨਕ ਕਰਤੇ ਕੀਆਂ ਬਾਤਾਂ ਜੋ ਕਿਛ ਕਰਨਾ ਸੋ ਕਰ ਰਹਿਆ ਮੀਨਿੰਗ ਡੀਅਰ ਗੋਡ ਆਈ ਐਮ ਸੈਕਰੀਫਾਈਸ ਟੂ ਯੂਅਰ ਅਲਮਾਈਟੀ ਕ੍ਰੀਏਟ ਪਾਵਰ ਵਿਦ ਵਿਚ ਯੂ ਕ੍ਰੀਏਟ ਏਵਰੀਥਿੰਗ ਐਂਡ ਦੈਨ ਪਰਮੀਏਟ ਇਨ ਨੇਚਰ ਯੂਅਰ ਐਕਸਟੈਂਡਸ ਐਂਡ ਬਾਉਂਡਸ ਕੈਨ ਨੇਵਰ ਬੀ ਐਸਟੀਮੇਟਡ ਔਰ ਅਨਨੋਨ ਯੂਅਰ ਡਿਵਾਈਨ ਲਾਈਟ ਇਜ਼ ਇਨ ਕ੍ਰੀਏਟਸ ਐਂਡ ਪ੍ਰੈਸ਼ਰਸ ਆਰ ਇਨ ਯੂਅਰ ਲਾਈਫ ਗਲੋ ਯੂਅਰ ਆਲਮਾਈਟੀ ਪਾਵਰ ਬਰਮਿੰਗਲੀ ਪਰਵੇਡਸ everywhere you are true lord master beautiful is your glory devotees singing your glory are carried across the world ocean nanak narrates creators stories who does everything as well god creates out to be appreciated units and ਕੈਰੀਟ ਫਾਰ ਵਾਹਿਗੁਰੂ ਜੀ ਕਾ ਖਾਲਸਾ ਵਾਹਿਗੁਰੂ ਜੀ ਕੀ ਫਤਿਹ ਥੈਂਕ ਯੂ Hello everybody. Um my name is Yazad Sidwa and uh, we will be representing the Zoroastrian faith. Ai zumau ganau patet pashimanum ashim vahu vaisamasti ushtau asti ushtau amai yadashai vaisayashim नमोंगम असंगमचे शैतनीनामचे कायोतीनामचे मैतनीनामचे अवोकवनीनामचे अपामचे जेमामचे उर्वरनामचे अंगाउष्टे जेमो अवंगायचो अश्नो वतायचो शौनुस्त्रम मंगोरो नगनम रौचंगम कवदतनम विस्पनाम च स्पेंतमेन्युष दामनाम अशौनाम अशौनीनाम च अशायरत्वाम आशिमवहु वैसमस्ति उष्टाव अस्ति उष्टाव अम्माय यादशाय विस्तायशम अम्मायलस्य करेनस्य अम्माय तन्वो दर्वतातेम अम्माय तन्वो वजवरे अम्माय तन्वो वेरतेम अम्माय सिम पौरुषकात्रम अम्माय आसनम चित फरजंतिन अम्माय दरगो दरगो जीतिम अम्माय विसिम ओम शौनम रोचंगेम विश्वकात्रम अत जमियात यत आफ्रिनामी 
अशिम बहु वैसम अस्ति उष्टाव अस्ति उष्टावमाय यादशाय वैस्ताय शिम हजंगरम वैशनम बैवरे वैशनम हजंगरम वैशनम बैवरे वैशनम हजंगरम वैशनम बैवरे वैशनम अशिम बहु वैसम अस्ति उष्टाव अस्ति उष्टावमाय यादशाय वैस्ताय शिम जसमे वंगे मजदाओ जसमे वंगे मजदाओ जसमे वंगे मजदाओ अमे उताशते होराव दे वेरे त्रागने दाते वैनतीतो रामनो खास्त्रे वयोशुपुरो के तो अन्यायिष्टामन आयत वयो यस्ति स्पंत मैन्यो थ्वाशे कदाते जर्वाने अकने जर्वाने दरेगो कदाते अशिम बहु वैसमस्ति उष्टावस्ति उष्टावमाय यादशाय वीस्तायशिम कैफेमोज गुना गुजारिश निरकुनम अशाय रुवाण दुषार मराव हम कैफे हमा वेहाउन हफ्त केश्वर जमीन जमीन पावना रुदराना खुर्शद बाला बुन्नयात बेरे सद अशोभ दर्जी अता जमियात यता आफिनामी अशिम बहु वैसमस्ति उष्टावस्ति उष्टावमाय यादशाय वैस्तायशिम Good evening. My name is Vahish Takekobad, and like Yazad, I represent the Zarthusti faith. And I'd like to thank Garland Pole and the Rathkos uh, Chapel for hosting this event every year to make it so special. This is perhaps one of the most beautiful events that the city experiences year after year, and we are eternally grateful for that. <coughs> Taking care of creation forms an integral and important part of Zarthusti beliefs, prayers, and rituals. They form the core of daily life with the help of the Amesha Spentas. The term Amesha Spenta is an Avastan term, meaning bounteous immortals, holy divinities, if you will. that protect and strengthen creation they are the divine sparks or emanations of one god ahura mazda the specific attributes represented by each amesha spenta are those that all mortals should strive to possess in order to cultivate asha or truth through good thoughts good words and good deeds and thus assimilate these attributes to become protectors and caretakers of our world and all its creation so who are the amesha spentas what are these attributes that help us to become caretakers of the universe the amesha spentas are linked not only with spiritual and ethical qualities but each amesha spenta in turn is responsible for specific 
physical domains and elements. In Yasna, a holy book of the Zarathustis from the Gathas, the six most important Amesha Spentas are Ashavahishta, Vahumana, Shatravarya, Spenta Armaiti, Hurvatat, Amartat, and Spenta Menu, who represents God the Father himself, the bounteous force who is instrumental in setting into motion the act of creation itself. Asha Vahishta is the most frequently mentioned Amesha Spenta in the Gathas. Asha Vahishta represents Asha, the cosmic principle of truth and order, by which all Zoroastrians should follow and live honest, truthful lives. They are commonly related, Asha Vahishta is commonly related to luminaries, particularly fire, and in the Yasna prayers, for instance, Ashavahishta is realized by fire, since fire is considered by Zarthushtis to be the most important element of physical world. Vahumana represents the good mind or vision. It denotes the intellectual gifts of clear perception and wisdom. Vahumana is related to all of animal creation, particularly the cattle of which he serves as a protector. Shatravarya represents the good dominion of Ahura Mazda, embodying the ideals of social order and proper kingship. Shatravarya serves as a reminder of the importance of authority within the temporal sphere an authority which must be present in every level of society, from the head of the family to the ruler of the kingdom. Shatravarya is considered to be the guardian of metals and the sky. As a Sunday school teacher, I always teach my students that our prophet Zarathustra was perhaps the first, in my opinion, the first ecologist and scientists to have realized the essence of what the universe is made of, to realize the space, to realize about bodies floating in heaven. Spenta Armaiti represents dedication and piety. She has been entrusted with the care of earth Thus, religious devotion of Zarthushtis is deeply connected to the creation which she represents. During the Yasna ritual, she is recognized for her protective watch over not only the uh, sacred earth, sacred areas of the earth, but the entire earth itself. She transcends the limits between the sacred and the world outside. Horvatat embodies plenitude and perfection. She has responsibility over water, which speaks to her crucial role in maintaining a good and healthy life. Horvatat's wholeness and integrity 
is that she is able to so effortlessly touch all of creation with her benevolence. Amartat personifies long lives and eventually represents immortality. Amartat is responsible for the protection of plants which aid in the preservation of life. Amartat is commonly grouped together with Hodvatat due mainly to the complementary healing and life-giving properties. Thus, friends, if each one of us can be cognizant of what the Amesha Spenthas represent and inculcate the supreme sense of responsibility and respect for all our creations, we can collectively make our world a more beautiful place to live in. For I sincerely believe that the world is beautiful. I often think of Louis Armstrong and wish I could sing to you, what a wonderful world. Because I do see trees that are green. I do see red roses bloom. Let us all have faith and believe that it is indeed a wonderful world to live in. Thank you. My name is George Atkinson, and I'm part of the planning committee. And my task is to tell you that our time here is nearly up. <laughs> nearly. Uh, I was told that if I go over a minute, someone's going to take care of me. <laughs> we are grateful for all of the presenters and all of the responses that we've had this evening. We are particularly grateful to the Rothko Chapel and to David and Ashley and all of the others on the staff who have made this possible. I think this is a, a good theme for our thanksgiving. The care for creation begins with caring for all of us who are a part of creation. And we have given each other a great gift this evening. Not simply the teachings which we've heard from so many diverse traditions, but the gift of listening to one another. That gift is the beginning of acquaintance that leads to friendship, that leads to companionship on the way to caring for the whole world that we live in. We have one more step that we can take toward that acquaintance and friendship. We have refreshments on the patio. <laughs> I hope that you will take some time to partake of those refreshments and to visit with one another and to share your name and your tradition with each other. We have been filled with an evening of wonder. Now let us go to enjoy each other. <laughs> 